Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 14th of February, and this is Govindra Jaitiraj broadcasting from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories and themes of the day: India is now almost equal to China on the MSCI index, from one fifth in 2020. Auto dealers want car manufacturers to cut back on production. How India's electric vehicle market is evolving differently from the United States. What is driving inflation and interest rates in India in contrast to developing countries? Senior government minister says India could lose out to Vietnam and China on mobile phone manufacture. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. India gains on MSCI index and dramatically so against China. India's weightage on the MSCI index has hit an all-time high of about 18.2% as of Tuesday. One reason is that India is narrowing the gap with China on the MSCI index for some time now as we've been reporting here on the core report as well. MSCI is Morgan Stanley Capital International and is an investment research company that provides among other things stock indices. The contrast is quite stark if you consider that in August 2020 China's weightage was five times that of India according to computation from Reuters. MSCI's revisions will come into effect after market close on Feb 29th and Indian shares had an 17.9 or almost 18% weight on that index ahead of the February review. In comparison, China's weight in the index fell to 25.4% after this February revision from about 26.6 or closer to 27% a year ago. MSCI added 5 Indian stocks to its global standard index and did not move any out in contrast it removed 66 Chinese stocks while adding 5 Reuters reported adding and quoting analysts saying that India could cross a 20% weight on that MSCI index by early 2024 thanks to consistent flows from domestic institutional investors and steady foreign portfolio investor participation now we've been talking here for some time about how large institutional investors are pulling funds out of china and also investing in india or projecting higher investments into india in coming months and years back home the bsc sensex ended the session 483 points higher at 71555 while the nifty 50 closed up 127 points at 21743 In the United States, inflation rose more than expected in January as stubbornly high shelter prices weighed on consumers. CNBC reported the Labor Department saying, "The Consumer Price Index, a broad-based measure of the prices shoppers pay for goods and services across the economy, increased 0.3% for the month on a 12-month basis that came out to 3.1% down from 3.4% December," said CNBC. Stock market futures fell sharply following the release of that information. Futures tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average were off more than 250 points and treasury yields surged higher. More on in inflation including the US and interest rates later in the show. India's auto sales hit a fresh record but dealers want manufacturers to cut back. India's car sales hit a fresh monthly record in January with the overall auto retail market growing 15% according to data from the Federation of Automotive Dealers Association of India which represents about 15000 automobile dealerships having 30000 dealership outlets but the larger issue here at least right now seems to be supply going by dealers who are saying that inventory levels are too high while demand is strong and hitting record levels as we pointed out it does appear that manufacturers in India are now producing beyond what the market can absorb given that inventory levels are touching close to 2 months or 55 days and more on that coming up shortly 
On the specific numbers, commercial vehicles did not grow as such. Two-wheelers grew 15%, three-wheelers 37%, passenger vehicles 13%, and tractors 21%. All of this is year-on-year, respectively, and in January. The good news in some ways, of course, that two-wheeler pickup usually means that the rural economy is doing better. The common factor that usually spurs sales is new models, new variations and versions, and of course, the new thing, which is premium offerings, which are increasingly pulling in customers, whether in four-wheelers or two-wheelers. I reached out to Manish Ratsinghania, president of FADA, based out of Raipur in Chhattisgarh, and I began by asking him what drove sales up in January. Auto industry has been on a roll now, and post-festivities and the year-end clearance sales kind of, you know, after that also, January was uh, has given a very decent growth numbers for almost 50%, and uh, Growth has been across two-wheeler, four-wheeler, passenger cars, three-wheelers. Everywhere the market is responding well. Primarily, I would attribute this to post-14 January, auspicious days have started and the marriage season continues. And uh, secondly, I think dealers are capping, carrying a lot of stocks of year 23 manufactured vehicle. So on those vehicles, uh, OEMs as well as dealers are offering extensive discounts and schemes which attracts the customers uh, to the showroom and obviously to the product. And for the two-wheeler industry, marriage season has always been a boom. And plus, in spite of El Nino, we would have had a decent crop now. And realization of crop in terms of MSP, which the central government is continuously increasing, all this has increased the shortflow in the rural market. Hence, you know, the buoyancy in the total automotive industry. Sales numbers are also at record at 393,000 for passenger vehicles. Is that something, again, that you see sustaining or is it really responding to backlogs? So, no, I don't think any backlogs would be there. Now, most of the vehicles are available ex stock and the dealership. We saw two years waiting times almost just 12 months back. But now all those waiting times have come down to maybe a month, month and a half. That too on a very select variant. And rest of the vehicles are aptly available at the dealership. In fact, the vehicles which were carrying heavy bookings now are being offered with consumer scheme to the customer. So all this is, you know, with the good supply position and increasing stock at the dealership, it's a good time for the consumer to bargain and get his or her choice of vehicle. And uh, January, that 393 is not an easy figure. That's a record figure. It is the ever highest month, individual month sale. A lot of records were created COVID last year. And as the records are created subsequent months, the record was broke. So this is the story here once again. I mean, if you're saying things have eased off in terms of supplies, that also suggests that either supply has ramped up considerably, which I'm guessing it has, or demand is steady. I mean, obviously, your numbers are higher, therefore demand must be higher, but supply must have caught up completely. Yeah, suppliers have caught up completely. And Still, the only cause of worry right now is the pickup stock level at the dealership. What OEMs need to do is to produce less for three, four months continuously. In one month, you cannot make a bigger stock correction. So they need to steady out these stocks. They need to produce now what is demanded by the customer and demanded by the market. Rather than just building inventory at the dealership is not the solution. We had at a very bad time during 2018-19. We lost a lot of our members, almost 300 dealerships closed out. So we never want that similar situation to come in. I think OEMs are also very wary of it. And they know the kind of losses they have to go through. 
And I think they should take cognizance. They have reduced some stock in the month of January, paid up stock. But that ideal paid up stock level would be 30 days. That's what we require. The United States is now slowing down on electric vehicle adoption for a variety of reasons, including range anxiety and cost of repair on collision. Last month, for example, car rental major Hertz said it was selling about 20,000 electric vehicles, including Teslas, from its U.S. fleet about two years after a deal with the automaker to offer its vehicles for rent. Instead, Hertz said it would switch to gas-powered vehicles, even as hybrids are catching on. Sales of EV cars in the U.S. have leveled off to about 9% of the new car market and even dipped further at the start of this year, according to reports. Now, this may be part of an overall adoption curve, which could see a sharp jump in the beginning, which we've perhaps already seen, plateau for some time as more people adopt and adapt and then rise again. But India is evolving differently. Some 55% of three-wheelers now sold in India are electric. Two-wheelers are growing fast as well, and clearly there is no problem with adoption or adaption. I asked FADA President Manish Raj Singhania once again, but this time about how he was seeing overall electric demand in the numbers that he looks at. So, two-wheeler, after withdrawal of FAB2 subsidy, the two-wheeler EV penetration is back to 5% plus. So, the new price point has been accepted by the market at large. And what we need right now for, see, three-wheeler is totally now, you know, migrated to EVs. The similar trend can be definitely be expected in two-wheelers. But what we really require is, you know, all these OEMs need to come up with more odds and more variant and more choices and more price point for the customer. So that it enables the two-wheeler buyer to make a choice according to his or her requirement and go for the purchase. The product EV concept in two-wheeler is now well-established. Any customer buying a two-wheeler today, definitely, especially in the scooter segment, definitely considers an EV before and evaluates whether to go for an EV or an ICE vehicle. And the new price point, that see, eventually all these subsidies will also wave off. And we are seeing a lot of manufacturing capacities in terms of battery being added. And all these should reduce the battery cost, which is almost, you know, 40-50% of the vehicle cost EV. So, uh, with the battery cost coming now and with the range of new models that we are expecting, I think penetration of two-wheelers will definitely increase. EV two-wheelers will actually. Right. And, and anything on the four-wheeler side? I mean, any because there is some concern that things might slow down. Four-wheeler is still, you know, we are just at 2% penetration. I think there are very, very few companies here. And the confidence of all the OEMs are not here. The Japanese OEMs are totally inclined towards the hybrid models. And they are not coming up with, I mean, EV model. They might be coming up after two, three, four years hence. So consensus is not there. Total confidence is not there. But we do see a few OEMs coming up with their range of models in this financial year and next financial year. We have very, very limited models in EV space. So they're also... Every OEM should have at least three, four new bodies attending to various uh, category of customers. If that is uh, present at the dealerships with the OEMs, I think this market can also take off. I just went to the US, Govind, I'll just share. The EV is not doing well in four weathers. The charging capacity drastically gets reduced and the rain mileage and everything, a lot of issues there. But warmer places, we are a warm place. India is a warmer country. And uh, we just have any, not that chilling weather that I felt in US. I think uh, EV can be more successful in India. There's a huge potential, good potential here. 
right manufacturing capacities need to be added, right models need to be placed. I think by 2030, with all these in place, we can have a 20-25% per efficient confidently. Right, that's encouraging and optimistic. Thank you so much, Manish. Inflation and Markets, India and the World India's stock markets have often risen in recent months in anticipation of a cut in US interest rates. US interest rates could or would have come if inflation levels ease off further, which is not happening. Back in India, inflation came in at 5.1% the day before, lower than before but not low enough. Moreover, food inflation in India is high and is keeping overall inflation levels high. And the one reason it came down between December to January is because food prices came down. Back in the US, food does not have so much of a role in inflation levels which are high for other reasons. In the US, core inflation is high, which is linked to prices of goods and services and not energy and food. And as we mentioned earlier, inflation has now touched 3.1% in the United States and this has been attributed to high shelter prices. In India, goods and services prices are not putting much pressure, at least relatively. So how do we correlate, if so, between what is happening in the United States and India, if only to understand the interplay between inflation and interest rates and how they move? I reached out to Crystal Ratings Chief Economist DK Joshi to put things in perspective, including on the latest inflation numbers in India, and began by asking him how he was looking at the inflation and interest rate trend interplay. I think the monetary policy globally is at a delicate juncture because of the inflation. But having said that, let me say that inflation and interest rates have peaked globally. India is also in that situation. We don't see inflation going up now uh, from these levels. Uh, but central banks are very wary of declaring early victory, uh, having been bitten by high inflation, particularly in the West. Right. So between interest rates and inflation, where do you think India is at this point converging or diverging, particularly with the Western world? Our expectation is that the central bank will cut the rates at the earliest by June this year. And that is the time when we expect the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank also to move. So clearly, there would be some synchronicity between what the West does and what we do. Uh, there's another part of the world which had started raising interest rates much earlier. This was the Latin American countries. And many of them have already started cutting rates. And to what extent do you feel, or rather, what are the common factors between, let's say, what's driving inflation in your understanding between some of the Western markets that we follow, including the United States and India? Well, I think one important differentiator between India and US is, although inflation is above the comfort of the central bank, both in India as well as in US. But in US, we are seeing core inflation higher than the headline inflation. And in India, core inflation is lower than the headline inflation. And the problem in India is largely due to food. If you look at core inflation, it's down to 3.5% as per the latest print, whereas the food inflation remains high at 8.3%. If you look at the US print, I think you will see that the headline inflation was down to 2.6%, but core was at 3.9%. Although both India and US face higher inflation than what the central bank targets, but the cause of uh, stress is very different. I think in India it is food and in there it is core. Right. To that extent, if you look at the last year or so, have we managed to control food inflation? I mean, or in a broad sense, because if I see vegetables, for example, it seems to hold very close to that 27% mark. Yeah, I think the food is a problem with us. I think, as I said, it is still at 8.3%. And 
the durable solution to food inflation will come from normalcy of rains. I think till the time we get that signal, I think I expect food inflation to remain high. Although in inflation terms, we will see it declining because the base is very high now. So I think the base effect will pull food inflation down. But to have a comfortable food inflation, I think you need monsoons to be normal in the next fiscal year. Right. And if I were to come back to interest rates, so the monetary policy, which was announced or released on Monday, what's your sense on what are the tools that they could use or are using and are not using at this point of time? Well, I think this central bank is using liquidity as a key tool right now to increase the transmission of rate hike into the lending rates. And the reason for that is that inflation, they want to target inflation at 4% and it is currently much higher than that. Even though food inflation is not directly controlled by the central bank, but it is a very important driver of headline inflation because it has about 40% weight. So as long as food remains persistently high and growth remains strong in the economy, food inflation can travel to the other parts of the economy which the central bank caused this phenomena, generalization of inflation. To prevent the generalization of inflation, they have to soften the economy. And I think even now their prediction of growth is 7% for the coming fiscal, which is a very high rate of growth in the current context. So I think in that sense, they will be really wary of, of cutting rates too soon. And I think so it's like crossing the river by feeling the stones. And we don't expect them to cut rates before June. Right. DK, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Govin. India could lose out to Vietnam, China in smartphone exports. India risks losing out to China and Vietnam as it seeks to become a major smartphone export hub and must act fast to lure global companies with lower tariffs, India's deputy IT minister said in government documents seen by news agency Reuters. Just yesterday, we at The Core Report asked analyst Neil Shah of CounterPoint Research if the recent import duty cuts from 15 to 10% would help the manufacturing ecosystem become more competitive against precisely countries like China and Vietnam. The broad answer, not so much, because the value of the components covered in these import duty cuts was not much and would therefore have limited or less impact on the final price of the phone, including if sold in India. By the way, over 99% of phones bought in India are now made in India, according to CounterPoint Research. India is the world's second largest mobile phone market, where production grew 16% year-on-year to about $44 billion last year, said Reuters. A January 3rd letter and a confidential presentation drafted by India's Deputy IT Minister Rajiv Chandrasekhar and sent to the Finance Minister shows the extent of his ministry's concerns about losing out due to uncompetitive tariffs. India has high production costs due to the highest tariffs amongst key manufacturing destinations, the minister wrote in the documents which were seen by Reuters. The documents also said that the geopolitical realignment is forcing supply chains to shift out of China, but we, as in India, must act now or they will shift further, I'm assuming, to Vietnam, Mexico and Thailand, Reuters quoted the minister saying. That's it from me for today. Have a great day ahead and see you tomorrow. That was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. 
Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening.